Hello. I just got back from the theater where I saw Disney's newest movie, Jungle Cruise, a two-hour and seven-minute fantasy adventure film. It is rated PG-13, and there are several parts of the movie which earn that rating. So if you intend to go as a family, be aware. It's not a language thing. There are a few visuals which could be scary for young ones, and there are other violent moments which are most often bodies falling and hitting things. I recall at least one bone-crunching sound effect which really put some emphasis on the brutality of that specific fall. That said, there is no blood. It appeared Disney intended for this movie to be mostly okay for younger audiences. Real quick, in case I don't put it into the title, this is a spoiler-free review. In my theater, there was a family with two kids, both below the age of 13 probably close to 10 and 8 years old, and there was a group of teenagers as well. The teens seemed to enjoy a few portions of the movie based on a few laughs and hoots that came from the back, and I believe there was a small applause from them at the end. In regards to the family, I did not hear any indication from the younger kids or their parents that the violent portions were too much for them. I would say the movie is about 75% family-friendly. 10 plus should be safe for most kids and for most families' standards. Plenty of the movie, in terms of dialogue and narrative, felt like it was geared at the 7 plus audience, which felt a little bit off, and that is something I would knock the film for. Pirates of the Caribbean is a movie that you could compare this movie to in many ways, but The Curse of the Black Pearl didn't cater to that young of an audience. Instead, it knew it was for a 12-plus audience, which I believe helped make it more enjoyable for the audience than Jungle Cruise was. Thus, there was an issue with tone in this movie. Jungle Cruise has an identity crisis. Did the movie want to be PG or PG-13? Of course, there is a love story brewing. This is Disney. But I did not feel the love tonight. In fact, when it came down to it, I was closer to tearing up over the relationship between Dwayne Johnson and his pet than I was between himself and Emily Blunt. There was no moment where I really felt like Dwayne earned her love, nor did it feel like she was the type to simply fall in love with this character. Speaking of Dwayne's character, Frank, this may have been the least charismatic presence that I've ever felt from him. Of course, Frank was still charismatic, and I'm sure that's exactly what is supposed to have won over Lily, Emily Blunt's character, but there wasn't enough there for me, obviously. I also had an issue with the dialogue of characters when they described Frank and his qualities. It seemed more like we were being told how to perceive Frank than how we were actually perceiving him. It didn't always fit. I noticed several times where characters' perceptions weren't matching up with my perception. And I think that's because they didn't want to make Dwayne The Rock Johnson an unlikable character. Yet he is supposed to be one. It's tough to say this, but this movie may have benefited from casting someone who we could dislike, but learn to like. Just based upon the script. Otherwise, I mean, it's The Rock. How can you be mad about seeing him on screen? In direct conflict with what I just said, he is a large part of what carries this movie. He was a safe option for the role. 
Lily was a rather likable character. I wouldn't expect anything less from Emily Blunt. Lily was sort of a mix between Brendan Fraser's role in The Mummy and Indiana Jones, except as if we witnessed their first adventure. She doesn't act with much forethought. She doesn't plan out escape routes, and thus she gets herself in more trouble than she should be able to get out of. However, she doesn't give up. She's creative, she's nifty, and she has just enough awareness of her surroundings to get herself out of the situations that she puts herself in. Typically, not without a hiccup or two along the way. She's the exact opposite as Daisy Ridley's Rey in the recent Star Wars trilogy. As a character, we see Lily grow throughout the movie, and in the final act, she thinks ahead of her actions and implements the knowledge she has gained along her journey. The last character I'll touch upon is Lily's brother, who is supposed to be our comedic relief for the journey, something I don't think the movie succeeded in all too well. But the good thing is that his character was in no way a Jar Jar Binks. He offered a much more subtle presence, and at times was a successful avatar for the audience to experience everything through. Overall, there was an issue with understanding the full motivations of some characters, and along the same vein, some of the movie logic and lore doesn't fully make sense. There is an exposition dump leading into the finale which revealed the largest missing piece of motivation for the primary bad guy, which was helpful but a detail that would have been better served to understand much earlier on in the movie. I slammed the humor a short bit ago, but the movie is not void of humor. Often it's the type of humor that it's so bad and awkward that it becomes funny. I also have a soft spot for terrible dad jokes, and that is one of the running gags for Frank. So, although I didn't laugh out loud, I was satisfied with those moments that many will roll their eyes at. There is another running gag surrounding Lily's character which bordered upon being overplayed, but it wasn't, and so it worked in a similar manner as Frank's humor did. I think I got a good hard chuckle from one or two things in the movie, but much of the humor, unfortunately, ran flat. And I would say that's my overall description of the movie, it felt a bit flat. Part of the reason for that is that until the final action scene, most of the action was not shot very well and or the editing wasn't the best that it could have been. The action is very jumpy and it is hard to follow. There are a lot of close-up shots throughout the entire film, really. And that was a mistake. I wish they would have allowed us to really take in the entire world, marvel at the scenery, and take in the action scenes more fluently. The production design was exactly on par with what the movie wanted to create, a 90s-style adventure. This movie feels like it should have been released in the year 2000 as a cash grab on the wings of 1999's The Mummy. That is not a complaint. I enjoy this type of action-adventure movie and wish we got more of them. That leaves the sound design, which I thought was very good and even extraordinary throughout one scene around the middle back half of the movie. I don't recall for sure which scene it was. I believe it may have been while we learn about the lore of several Spanish conquistadors. Or it was shortly before that scene at the local tribe's village. I actually thought it was possible that Mannheim Steamroller had been involved in the soundtrack. However, that does not appear to be the case. But I was not surprised to find out that a very experienced composer was at the helm. 
That individual would be James Newton Howard. He gave the movie exactly what it needed. So, do I recommend Jungle Cruise? I'll start off with a rating, and I think I'll just give it a 3 out of 5. It is good. It is unoffensive, and it is tough to dislike. I mentioned earlier that it falls flat, and that's the issue. Outside of that specific score I mentioned, I would say that the movie failed to ever captivate me. A little less CGI in the early portions of the movie may have gone a long ways towards a more full immersion into this story, along with an earlier understanding of the villain's motivations. The introduction felt long, but outside of that, I didn't feel that the movie dragged too much. I was concerned it was going to, but ultimately, when it ended, I felt like I had watched a two-hour movie, which it is. They definitely could have cut out a few scenes, shortened others, and the story is quite manufactured, so for the most part, you know what's happening next. Yet, I was interested and even invested throughout almost the entire movie. I don't think you need to rush to the theaters to see this, but I wouldn't advise against it. I'd suggest aiming for the discounted matinee price if you choose to see it in theaters, or wait for it to be available on Disney Plus or via rental. Thanks for listening. Please download the episode when you listen. It helps out immensely. Heck, download all of the episodes even if you don't listen to them. FYI, I'll be taking it easy throughout August at the least. I've got some stuff prepared to drop, but in terms of new movie releases, I need to put my focus into other things for a little while. Bye-bye.